welcome to Frontline Voices, a podcast by the Natural Resources Council of Maine. Every week, decisions are made across Maine that affect the future of our environments. Lawmakers in Augusta propose or debate new bills. Mainers speak up on proposals made by corporations or state agencies. Clean energy projects are launched, or communities take action to address threats to clean air or water or open spaces that they cherish. Since 1959, NRCM has been on the front lines, tracking these developments and tapping into the power of Maine people, science, and the law. NRCM does this to protect and enhance the nature of Maine. So every two weeks, we'll sit down with advocates and experts to discuss some of the most important stories you need to know about and what lies ahead. Thank you for listening as we share our view from the front lines. Hi, I'm Colin Durant, NRCM's Advocacy Communications Director, and I'm here once again with Pete Didesheim, our Advocacy Director, to give you the latest updates on news uh, from around Maine's environment. Uh, the first thing we wanted to have, Pete, how are you? We missed you last great. episode. Yeah, I'm doing great. Yeah. Um, but we hope folks um, enjoyed that update on Kennebec uh, with Nick. It was great to have him as a guest, and we look forward to featuring um, some of our other advocates to dive into topics in the future. Um, but first, uh, you know, as we do every episode, Pete, I wanted uh, just to ask you to give us a quick overview, sort of a quick hit on um, some recent developments that you think people should know about uh, related to Maine's environment. Sure, I think I'll just focus on two uh, good news items from the federal level um, that both deal with the climate. Uh, so the US Senate voted uh, just recently to overturn rules adopted in the final months of the Trump administration that would have eliminated the requirement on oil and gas companies to monitor methane emissions. And when that um, uh, Trump rule went into place, it really was a gift to the oil and gas industry. It was a, it was a terrible rollback. So this was a repeal of a repeal uh, is what it really was. Uh, it's a big deal to overturn uh, that Trump rule because methane emissions are like 80 times more powerful in trapping heat in the atmosphere than carbon dioxide. And uh, we really were pleased that Maine Senators Angus King and Susan Collins both provided leadership on the measure, which passed by a 52 to 42 vote. And there was a recent United Nations assessment concluding that reducing methane emissions is really one of the most important strategies to reduce uh, the rate of warming of, of the earth. So that was good news. Also this week, the EPA proposed a rule to slash the use of harmful climate warming gas used in refrigerators and air conditioners by 85% over the next 15 years. And the rule targets what are called hydrofluorocarbons. And this is a really important development um, and it will help the nation achieve the recently announced goal of reducing greenhouse gas emissions by 50% below 2005 levels by 2030. So good news at the federal level. Yeah, both both so important. I mean, we talk a lot about carbon pollution and I think there's a lot of knowledge about um, carbon pollution, but as you, as you um, just suggested, it's a lot broader than that. Greenhouse gas emissions and many of them uh, like methane, CFCs are, are really potent and uh, we can take a big, bite out of climate change by addressing them. So it's great to see that progress. Uh, well, I wanted to jump in next right into um, an announcement by Governor Mills early this week 
earlier this week where she um, sort of detailed how she's going to distribute more than one billion uh, that Maine received from America Rescue Plan Act funding. Now, that was the um, sort of pandemic recovery bill that was passed uh, by the Biden administration and Congress to help the U.S. recover from the pandemic. Uh, she, she, she called her plan the Maine Jobs and Recovery Plan. Uh, I know there were a lot of exciting developments uh, or exciting in investments, excuse me, that we were uh, excited about uh, related to clean air and water and clean energy. So can you just give us a quick overview of, 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 of how the Mills administration plans to, um, plans to spend this money and, and why we're so excited about it? Yeah, absolutely. So as you pointed out, in March, the president signed a $1.9 trillion COVID relief package. And Maine is receiving a total of four and a half billion and 3.2 billion of that is focused on recovery efforts like public health and COVID testing and vaccinations and unemployment benefits and stimulus payments that are helping businesses. And those are incredibly important. Um, and then the governor working with the legislature has authority over 1.13 billion. And there's just an enormous number of really exciting components of this that I think are gonna be uh, in some cases transformational for the state. And we're particularly excited about several items. One is $50 million for state parks. So Maine state parks are badly in need of maintenance. Uh, we, our state parks had a record number of visitors last year, 3 million for the first time in 2020, that's fantastic. But um, as I mentioned, we've got bridges, roads, trails, bathrooms, campgrounds that are really run down. We haven't built a significant new facility at a main state park in 40 years. So $50 million is gonna address a backlog of capital maintenance and improvement projects that really need attention. So that's exciting for our state parks. There's $50 million for energy efficiency. Uh, 25 million of that's gonna to go towards homeowners and that particularly towards low income and seniors and renters. Um, 50 million is gonna to go to municipalities, schools, community organizations. There's also 10 million there for energy efficiency incentives for businesses. So that's really great news. Um, improving our energy efficiency is a big part of our climate action uh, strategies. There's gonna be 8 million there for clean energy partnerships. And this is workforce development for clean energy careers, really important for the solar energy industry, for weatherization companies. They have shortages of employees. I was just talking to someone at Revision Energy. They're trying to hire 50 employees right now. They got 50 vacancies. So this 8 million is gonna help develop the workforce we need for the clean energy transition that we're heading into. There's 20 million in a infrastructure adaptation fund. As everybody knows, sea level rise poses a significant threat to roads and infrastructure located along our shores. So this 20 million is gonna create a pilot fund to support local, regional, state infrastructure projects to address some of these vulnerabilities, focusing on the projects that are most at risk. And then there's 25 million for clean drinking water. Uh, this is gonna be to upgrade water treatment plants, storage reservoirs, address a significant backlog of drinking water projects at the local level. There's also 25 million for wastewater infrastructure. We have an enormous backlog of close to a billion dollars of investments needed in our wastewater treatment plants. So this is gonna help provide clean water, uh, surface water, ocean water. It'll, it'll be good for public health. And then there's also what I didn't mention, which is one of the biggies, $150 million for broadband. 
And this will help create affordable access to high-speed internet across the state. And that's important, really important for rural Maine, for education purposes. But broadband also is identified in the Climate Action Plan as important for a lot of reasons. It's gonna help reduce vehicle miles traveled uh, if people can work from their homes. So, so that's exciting. All of this stuff is very exciting and it's gonna create jobs and in many ways contribute to the work we're, we're supporting on clean energy and climate action. Yeah, and um, super exciting investments. And it's going to be, um, as you said, going to lead to a lot of jobs and, uh, you know, reduced energy bills for people. It's just going to, a lot of great benefits for Maine people. I just wanted to also give a plug. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, Pete, but Island Institute just did sort of a mini doc film on how Vinyl Haven is addressing and dealing with sea level rise. And it's just a great snapshot at how, I mean, communities across Maine are, are dealing with the impacts of climate change, but in particular, how our coastal communities, our island communities are dealing with sea level rise. I thought it was really well done and it's worth a watch. Yeah, it's like 12 good. minutes. Yeah. yeah um, the other thing I wanted to note about this is, you know, these, um, the American jobs plan that President Biden has, has announced um, would really build on the investments that, that Mills uh, um, uh, just, just announced that we're making. And um, it's just, you know, we we just see it as such an enormous opportunity to invest in the future of Maine. And um, if you head on over to our blog, you can see a blog by um, Emmy, our federal director about, we sort of detailed, we did an analysis and detailed really 13 clear, distinct ways uh, how that American jobs plan would benefit Maine. So yeah. I think that's also worth a read. I encourage people to check Yeah, we'll be talking more about those benefits moving forward because that that's some really transformational investments. Exactly. Really step it up a notch, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. All right. Well, um, the other thing that's been going on related to uh, the state house in Augusta is legislative action is really speeding up. Um, as I understand it, right, committees are facing deadlines to report bills out and um, and there's just, you know, there's a, the, the legislative session only lasts for so long. So there's a lot of action happening on bills that NRCM is tracking. So I was hoping we could take the next segment of the podcast to just have a overview from you about what's happened over the last couple of weeks in the state house about bills that we're, we're either concerned about or that we're working the past because they're going to make a positive difference for Maine. Yeah, there is a tremendous amount of activity at the state house. There's well over a thousand bills that that are in motion in some fashion through all of the committees. Uh, some of the committees have been meeting literally uh, from 9 a.m. until 5 p.m., holding public hearings on dozens of bills, work sessions, votes. They're trying to get all of their work done in the next couple of weeks so that then the full house and Senate can start voting and finalizing action on bills. There has been some, some recent action um, in the full chambers of the House and Senate. Uh, they did meet last week and they'll meet again this coming week, this next week. Uh, they, uh, the three bills that were aimed at overturning Maine's plastic bag ban were all officially defeated by the House and Senate, mostly on party lines. Uh, I was sorry to see that there was only three Republican senators and only one Republican House member who voted to protect the ban on, on um, single-use plastic bags in, in grocery stores. Um, that shouldn't be a partisan issue. I don't know why it needed to break that way. Uh, I know that people all over the state recognize that this is an important way to reduce plastic pollution. Uh, there's a bill to ban uh, pesticides known as neonics, 
which uh, banning these uh, pesticides is important for pollinators. That passed in the House. There'll be additional votes in the Senate. We hope that that passes. There's an interesting bill to create uh, what's called a pine tree amendment. It would be an amendment to the state constitution to establish a right to a healthy environment as part of our, our constitution. It passed the House. Um, there's been no recorded vote in the Senate yet. It needs a two thirds vote in the House and Senate to uh, qualify for, for an amendment to the constitution. And I don't know if it's gonna make it over that hurdle. And then in the committees, there are just so many bills underway. Um, and some, some of these issues will be deferred to next year just because they can't get it all through the system. There was a decision this week that the tribal sovereignty bill, um, which had a, a short hearing this, this uh, week, is going to be carried over to next year. NRCM testified in support. Our CEO, Lisa Pullman, de uh, delivered strong testimony in support of that bill to recognize tribal sovereignty. But uh, further action is going to wait till next year. Uh, we were pleased that uh, a key committee voted 11 to 2 in support of the bill to close the loophole in Maine's uh, campaign finance laws that has been exploited by Hydro-Quebec. Uh, they've spent more than $10 million on their campaign uh, to try to tell Maine voters how to vote on a CMP quarter. Um, so this bill uh, would close that loophole. And uh, we hope that that now will get a two thirds vote in the House and Senate and uh, to shut down CMP and any other foreign government owned corporation that wants to meddle with our elections. This week, there was a, a somewhat heated uh, public hearing about a, a bill that would establish a total ban on offshore wind. Uh, we testified against that bill. Uh, we believe strongly that careful development of offshore wind is gonna be crucial for achieving Maine's climate action reduction action uh, plan and reduction goals. And we think that this is a rare opportunity for Maine to be at the front edge of a new industry, creating a lot of jobs in the future. So we wanna take advantage of that. And, and offshore wind, uh, deep offshore is, it, we think is, is, can be developed in, in a way, I mean, we've got a really big Gulf of Maine. I think it can um, accommodate both lobstermen, fishermen and uh, clean energy generation. So that's just a quick, you know, touching on, on mm -hmm. some of the things that are in play, but there's a lot of bills that will be voted on in the next two weeks. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just touch on offshore wind. I mean, when you look at the data and the capacity that's out there, it's just, there's just no question. And, you know, uh, uh, Richard Silkman, who wrote a report on how, how yeah. Maine can decarbonize, I think made this really clear in the public hearing that, you know, Maine cannot meet its carbon reduction goals, cannot meet its climate targets without offshore wind. The capacity right. is just enormous. Right. Um, and it will, um, you know, help us transition to clean energy. It's going to make us more reliable, the grid more reliable. And like you said, it's going to, you know, we're going to develop ports and good union jobs too, as part of that. So yeah, and it's, it's inevitable. I mean, in federal waters, yeah. there's going to be offshore wind. So what this bill would do would be pretty much shut down Maine's path to developing the technology and the jobs. Mm -hmm. and just let others develop the technology and jobs and so yeah it's, kind of a, it's it's just you know it's it's not the direction we want to go we think strikes, we carefully yeah yeah it strikes me as analogous to the attacks on solar you know that were happening during the lepage era that really yeah. set us back and and just you know and sacrificed maine's ability to be economically competitive right um and so that's so important um and it's going to develop 
slowly. And I think right. through collaborative conversations, good planning, we'll get it Absolutely. right. Absolutely. It, it, totally agree. Um, well, we talked about what's happened in the legislature. Let's end every, every um, as we do every time, by you just sort of detailing what you think people should be paying attention to that's coming up in the legislature. What are you, what are you, what are you in the team tracking uh, that you, that you think either people will want to keep an eye out for or, or make their voice heard on? Yeah. So there's some important hearings coming up on bills that we're paying very close attention to and we're going to be testifying on. Uh, there's going to be a bill um, that requires state agencies to review the impact of science-based sea level rise projections and come back to the next legislative session with recommendations of how to address those uh, impacts. I think that's important. Uh, next Monday, there's going to be a hearing on a um, uh, extended producer responsibility for packaging law. We've been working really hard on this. This is going to require packaging manufacturers to help fund the collection and recycling of, of packaging waste. Obviously, e-commerce is now generating an enormous amount of, of packaging waste. It's landing at our doorsteps and it's going into our landfills and it's piling up and it's a, it's a growing cost for, many, for municipalities and it's really crippling some towns recycling programs. So that's an important bill. We hope that that makes it across the finish line in this legislative session. Uh, there's gonna be a public hearing in the next week or two about a, creating a consumer-owned utility. Uh, it would be called Pine Tree Power. And uh, this would um, take ownership of our transmission and distribution at utility away from the existing companies, uh, CMP and uh, Versant, and put it under um, the management of a publicly elected board. And, um, and it would probably save about $10 billion that we could then invest in the clean energy transition. And, and again, Dr. Silkman has created a, an analysis that said, you probably can't really achieve full decarbonization by 2050 uh, unless you go this route of a consumer owned utility. So we will be supporting that bill. There's a bill that would require the Public Utilities Commission to consider climate in all of its actions. We support that. There's also a bill coming forward at a public hearing that will get quite a bit of testimony that would close the loophole in Maine law that allows out-of-state trash to go to our landfills. So Maine has literally become a dumping ground for out-of-state waste. It's mostly construction and demolition debris. And the waste can come in truckload after truckload after truckload every day is coming in from out of state. And it goes to a processing facility in Lewiston and they pull a few things out of it and that re redefines and recharacterizes it. And, and that's the loophole that enables it to then be trucked to the Juniper Ridge landfill where it's dumped and it's filling up our landfills at a faster pace than, than uh, the public should, should allow. So that's also gonna get quite a bit of, of testimony and we hope the legislature this year will close that loophole. Yeah, one of the most striking things about about that to me is, as a former Massachusetts resident, mo you know, most of that <laughs> toxic waste comes from Massachusetts, and it's coming here from Maine because Massachusetts has banned, banned this practice. We, so, we're, I know. so we're literally um, the dumping Dumpy grounds ground. yeah. for for Massachusetts waste, and it's right next to the Penobscot Nation. You know, neighbors yep. are impacted, and uh, it's, that's just not a you know, it just doesn't pass any test for being yeah. the right thing. Right. Um, 
Well, so I wanted to just quick with this, since this is a podcast about Maine environmental news, I wanted to wrap up real quick by giving a big thank you and a shout out to three veteran environmental journalists who recently announced that they are retiring or moving on to new adventures. They've all covered Maine outdoors throughout their career, educating readers on so many of the topics that, that NRCM and our supporters value. Aislinn Sarnacki, you know, was the Bangor Daily News outdoors writer, tons of great reviews of hikes. She's moving on to become a registered Maine guide. She's going to still write a weekly uh, column for the paper. She was also involved in NRCM Rising, I know. So, um, you know, really grateful to her for all of her writing on Maine's outdoors and sort of opening people up to what's out there. Um, then, of course, there's Bangor Daily News outdoors editor, John Holyoke, who's stepping out um, and away from the job. He, he held that job for 19 years. He was, uh, it's a 28-year career in journalism. Uh, apparently, he's going to move, he's going to um, work on becoming an English teacher, which is fantastic. That's cool. um, but he recently released his first book called Evergreens, which is a collection of his favorite BDN columns and features. So that's worth a, worth a read. And then, of course, um, Press Herald Deputy Managing Editor Dieter Bradbury, um, who, you know, you don't really read stories by him because he's the Deputy Managing Editor, but he did get his start. He's four decades as a journalist. He's got to start as an environmental um, early on in his career as an environmental reporter. And I know, you know, as with everybody who lives in Maine, the environment, he holds the environment close to his heart. So anyways, yeah, a Dieter, huge- Dieter won, yeah. some, Dieter won some awards for uh, for a series of articles about the mercury pollution um, caused by the Holterkam plant mm. of Orrington that was contaminating the Penobscot. And it was really groundbreaking reporting. He's done a lot of great reporting. He's been an editor for in recent yeah. decades, but but I remember well some some great writing that he's done. Investigation. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I know he he's he worked with NRCM a lot when he was yeah. in that environmental reporter. So thanks to all three of those reporters, and we wish them the best as they embark on their next adventures. And Pete, as always, thanks so much for just breaking it down for everybody and giving us the overview of what's happening across Maine. There is so much, yeah. There's so much going on, so it's great to just be able to um to get a quick look at it um and until we talk again hope everybody gets outside to enjoy this wonderful spring weather that looks like is emerging thanks colin yeah talk to you soon pete thank you for listening to maine environment frontline voices if you enjoyed this episode you can subscribe to our podcast or leave a review on spotify itunes google play and other podcast listening apps to learn more about nrcm please visit nrcm.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at NRCM Environment. Until next time, thanks for your interest, attention, and involvement in the collective efforts by Maine people to protect the unique woods, waters, and wildlife of our state. Thanks again.